Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. Alex, I'll take things that won't happen for 800, please. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean C. Crease Quaid, if yesterday was hump day, and that's what the thread killer declared it, that means today is Fizzy Beverage Friday. And to prove it to you, we've lined up an early appearance from the Iowa Republican, Craig Robinson, joining us this morning. Craig, are you already strategizing on how you're going to get the most turkey in you tomorrow? Uh, no, you know I love Thanksgiving, uh, but our my uh, Thanksgiving uh, tradition as of late is kind of uh, not ideal. So I'm kind of dreading it more than anything. Now wait a minute, you're going to have to expand on that because I think it, at one point we covered that that you do some of the turkey work. Correct? It's, has something well, changed I, there? I have in the past, yes, and then. This this would turn into a very awkward conversation about my wife's family and their ability to, to screw up the best holiday on the planet. <laughs> All right. Well, according to some new research, uh, family comes in second on the things we like most about Thanksgiving. Number one. The actual food. So for Thanksgiving, I think <laughs> that's all right. Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, with us this morning on the morning meeting. The holiday season now gets kind of conflated because Christmas starts ever earlier and earlier. Uh, we had Halloween not too long ago and, of course, Thanksgiving tomorrow. But I think the real presents being handed out now are being handed out by the Trump administration to those that he is looking to appoint, not only to cabinet positions, but to other high-profile positions in his administration. I have been surprised personally about the reported in-depth conversations and allegedly high-profile position that he's considering Mitt Romney for. These guys were oil and water on the campaign trail. They might have been oil and fire when they started going at each other when Romney wasn't even a candidate. And now to see Trump looking to bring him into the fold, we're hearing that he has more than complimentary words for Romney, and that he's being considered, he was even called the prototype for Secretary of State. I mean, did I just miss some of the signs along the way, Craig? Well, I think this is a credit to Trump and the fact that you know, um, he can put all, you know all that waters behind him. He won, um, and, and so he wants to put together the best administration that he can, uh, assemble the best team, and even if that's someone who, you know, maybe he has you know personal grudges with. He's he's a big enough person to go beyond that. Um, I think that if, if Romney's the pick, then that's that's what I think that says. However. Um, you know, I'm one of those people. My problem with with the with Romney, and this has been the case when he was a presidential candidate too. It isn't necessarily him himself. I have a problem with the people that he would be bringing into the Trump administration, into the State Department with him. 
you know, these people, you know, Mitt Romney said harsh things. Well, so did a lot of people that Mitt Romney is likely to hire to fill out the State Department if he's Secretary of State. And so that's where I think I have a real issue uh, with this. I mean, I don't know how you can be a never-Trumper and then turn around and, and end up being in the Trump administration. I think, you know, that's a bridge too far. Well, let's go there then, uh, Craig. Nikki Haley is going to be the ambassador to the U.N., and she was very vocal against uh, Trump for most of the last year, but now she's part of that team. Yeah, and I think that, that you know, I guess there's what Nikki Haley said on one level, and then there's the things that Mitt Romney said. I mean, Mitt Romney called Trump a buffoon, you know, a, a crook, a fraud, all of these things. I mean, that's harsh. Nikki Haley never went to that level. Um, but again, I do think that this shows that Trump's the bigger man, uh, wanting to use kind of the best and the brightest uh, that the GOP has in his, his cabinet. So I think he should be applauded um, for, for not holding these personal grudges. And nothing against uh, Mitt Romney. Newt Gingrich says that there's uh, a lot of other people he could name who would be better suited for Secretary of State. Is it more political jujitsu? Well, look, I think if if you can bring the best way to bring kind of get the party around you so you're all on the same team, you know, bringing them in, I think, is a a very strategic move. Um, So then you don't have these people who could be very loud critics. And maybe you know potentially run against you um, down the road, or or, or mm-hmm. you know fuel the the media speculation, uh, you know that that Republicans are dissatisfied with you. So I mean, if it, again, I think Trump has been masterful um, as the president elect in terms of you know Mitt Romney is coming to see him and, and having this it puts Trump in a very uh, good light, and so. He names uh, Romney uh, his, his secretary of state. I, I think that um, it's a very strategic move, and, and it's not a bad – look, I think Mitt Romney could be a very good secretary of state. The thing is, is will he have and show the loyalty that that deserves? I mean, mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton was a pretty good soldier uh, for, for Barack Obama, and so I would hope Mitt Romney would return the favor. Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, with us this morning on The Morning Meeting. Craig, is the left's obsession with identity politics being exposed over the Trump picks? And I say that because they have been saying, well, this this looks so monochromatic and so so gender chromatic, except for Nikki Haley and the other women who have been, have been uh, uh, picked, except for Dr. Ben Carson and others. They have to lift off like seven exemptions so that they can make this point, which actually defeats their own argument. And it just, to me, it's it's the out-and-out sticking to what the voters just rejected at the ballot box. Well, look, the, the, the Democrat Party has been exposed. that they their, their brand of politics is all about exploiting minorities and, 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 and pitting people against each other. I mean, everyone that Trump has named to his, his cabinet already, or is rumored to be considering... They, they go out, the media goes out, the Washington Post goes out and, and labels them as a white supremacist or alt-right or, or whatever it is. I mean, it is obnoxious to see this. And at the same time, we're having this debate about fake news sites. You know, we have the traditional media, the establishment uh, media, going overboard to paint these people in a negative light. And 
I, I don't think it works. I think it's turning, you know, again, the majority of Americans against the Democrat Party to say, like, look, you know, uh, I mean, look, you could say Nikki Haley, boy, you know, she didn't have a problem with the Confederate flag, you know, 10 years ago. Well, times have changed. There's a lot of Democrats that have a problem with it. Um, and, and so, again, I think the Democrats have just been exposed for their hypocrisy and, and their willingness to say and do anything to discredit Trump and this new administration. Craig, you were part of a uh, political panel earlier this week. It was on Monday, I think, uh, that was to break down the, the 2016 campaign. Is that a lot of what you came to a- as a group? Well, we did. I mean, it was it was kind of fascinating. I was, uh, you know, one of five on the panel, and I was the last person to get the first question, which was, you know, why were we all surprised? And I didn't like any of, obviously, I didn't like any of the answers that came before me. And I said, look, we were surprised because we were distracted. We were distracted by a candidate who is, you know, very interesting, uh, constantly creating little controversies. We were distracted by a media that was, you know, despite conventional wisdom being proven wrong time and time again, the, the conventional uh, wisdom uh, in the media was that Trump couldn't win because of conventional wisdom. And so it was, we're distracted by that. And, and look, I mean, there were plenty of signs. I, I, I reminded them back in March, I did an interview with Ron Brownstein, uh, who wrote in, in, uh, the Atlantic, Donald Trump's Rust Belt strategy of how this is the route he has to go, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, Ohio, Iowa, because all these states had commonalities in terms of, you know, um, working class whites that, that his message, his economic message appeals to. And all that was out there, except it was ignored because they were focused on, you know, whatever the latest, you know, uh, you know, a headline was uh, that something he said or something he did, whether currently or 30 years ago. Greg Robinson, the Iowa Republican, with us this morning on The Morning Meeting. Greg, you've worked on campaigns, and you've certainly analyzed them in your era. Are we jumping to a conclusion too quickly, those in the media who want to call the Midwest Trump's new red wall? Don't you have to hold that for more than one election cycle before it becomes something that you count on? Yes. Well, and this is the problem. I mean, so also on this panel was Ann Selzer, the, the very well-known and respected pollster for the Des Moines Register in, in Bloomberg. And, you know, I mean, she, she was talking about the problem that the other pollsters have is they expected Hillary Clinton to, you know, be able to c- continue to carry this Obama coalition. And, and look, why are we surprised that a 70-year-old white woman you know, didn't mobilize, you know, African-American voters like the first African-American president did. I mean, it's obnoxious. You think, but you say it that way and you laugh. Well, of course not. Um, but again, they they expected this to continue post-Obama, and it didn't. And so, again, I think this works with Trump. But down the road, I think we, we got to have candidates. And this is where, you know, Trump was smart to hone in on this message. But this is the message pushed by you know, Rick Santorum in 2012, Mike Huckabee in 2008. I mean, this is the direction we're going. The Republican Party has to be a workers' party, uh, a, a blue-collar party, not this white-collar, big-business Wall Street party. 
uh, if they want to have success because these are the people they need to talk to. Craig Robinson, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. Craig, you talk about uh, candidates. In a couple of years, the Democrats are going to have to defend uh, many seats, uh, many more than they uh, had to try and defend uh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and Republicans are everywhere these days. Do we have uh, people standing by to to run for those seats who have enough juice to get that done? I mean, do Trump's coattails carry for the next couple of years? Well, I think again, you got to find this, these candidates that that work that tie into this, you know, economic uh, blue collar uh, theme that Trump was able to to build. And so, but again, you got to talk about the states here. We're talking Indiana, West Virginia, uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, uh, Florida. These are all Senate that Republicans uh, have a great opportunity to win and, and, and will be difficult, not just because Trump was able there. These we would have been on offense anyway um, in this election, even if we had lost, uh, you know, a couple Tuesdays ago. So, I, 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 I look, I think candidate recruitment is always the most important thing we can do. And, you know, we just have to find people who, again, speak this language. And if we do, uh, I think we'll be successful, even if it is the first midterm in a new president's um, uh, administration. Craig, you just mentioned the Republican Party becoming more of a blue collar workers party than the white collar Wall Street Party. Is the leadership that's in place nationally for the party? able to understand that and make the vault, or does the party have to go through a leadership evolution to capitalize on its newfound momentum? Well, I think, I don't necessarily know if you need to find new leaders. Um, you know, I think the RNC will, will kind of take, um, uh, will, will share Trump's uh, vision a little bit because he's going to have a, a big say in who's filling those roles. But again, this is where like someone like Mitch McConnell has to show um Look, you really, we really have the Democrats in a, in a tough spot. What they should do is they need to draft legitimate, uh, targeted tax cuts to middle-class workers. Um, don't load it up with, you know, don't, don't make it so you, they can't say, oh, you're giving tax cuts to the wealthiest 1%. No, I'm saying a real deal, fair tax cut for hardworking middle-class people. Because the Democrats, with all these Senate seats up in play, they'd have to go along with it. So you have the advantage. You have the environment. You have the president. You have everything in, to, to make this happen. That's what you've got to push. And you have to maybe temper your partisan, uh, you know, little agendas that you want to have because, you know, you control all branches of power. And this is true of the state politics as well as federal, where really target, target those people who we won the election with, uh, with policies that would help them but they would say wow they listened i voted republican and, and look you know they're, they're doing things that help me out yeah if trump gets his tax plan i think that's step one he'd reduce it from what seven tax brackets to three and most of the advantage there goes to the middle and and and, and working poor class so we'll see if, if that's something that can be implemented right away also craig i don't know that the democrats at least the the power structure are getting that uh that message of uh, forging a new path because they they essentially have become who they were making fun of in wanting certain states 
to challenge the election results in wanting electors <laughs> to not to not vote for who the people voted for in those states. That, that the, the people who broke away from the Democrats to vote for Trump are looking at that now saying, yeah, I made the right decision, aren't they? Oh, yeah, I think so in a big way. And again, you know, you look at you look at Chuck Schumer in the Senate, um, you know, a liberal's liberal, and you look at who the Democrats are are rolling out there for potential uh, 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 DNC chair. Um, I, I don't think that they they really recognize the problem um, of the last election, and so it seems to me like they're going to double down on this uh, on this uh, you know uh, minority strategy. Um, and I don't think it's going to work. I think that people, uh, you know, people will wake up and say, hey, this, you know, we're doing things differently. And, and this this new Republican government is actually doing the things it said it would do. I want to take it back to uh, uh, Trump uh, potential administration again and, and bring it home to, to Iowa. Is Terry Branstad really on uh, President-elect Trump's radar or is that just Iowans wishful thinking? No, I think if Terry Branstad wants to be the ambassador to China, he can have that job. Um, and so it's really a question of does he want it or not? Um, you know, Branstad has a personal relationship with the president of China. Uh, there's no one else in this country that can say that. And I think while maybe Branstad's policies don't really reflect Trump's, I think the most important thing you could have in an ambassador to China is someone who could go to the government and say, hey, you know, that's Donald being Donald. Um, you know, I'll work with you. Let's, let's, let's stay calm. I actually think it would be a very good thing, and this would be a great way for, for Branstead to kind of ride off in the sunset where he could be there too for well, who knows how long. But I think he would do a very good job um, in terms of, of, uh, of, of being ambassador, and he has the right relationships. Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, with us. Craig, last week we missed mandatory Iowa football talk, and we weren't able to preview that pulse-pounding win over the Illini. Well, with that under the Hawkeyes' belt now, they're actually even money against number 16 Nebraska this weekend in Iowa City. 2.30, I believe this is a Friday afternoon game. This should be interesting. Yeah, look, this is, this is, this is the classic Kirk Ferentz year where you look back and you say, man, if he didn't lose uh, to Northwestern or North, North Dakota State, man, we would be, you know, really in the mix. Not going to the playoff, but still, I mean, if the Hawkeyes finish 8-4, and four, they're going to they're gonna go to the Holiday Bowl in, in San Diego, and all will be happy. Um, so, again, I think there's a big difference between seven wins and eight wins just in the mind of the Hawkeyes fans. I kind of like Iowa in this spot. That defense has played lights out for the last uh, couple weeks and and even with Bethard you know who you know I'm only about 88 yards and a touchdown and an interception behind him um, you know <laughs> statistically <laughs> yeah well they've got the big shutout over powerhouse Illinois last week so <laughs> certainly away you power can out. always count on that I love it when Illinois are you are you gonna are you gonna be at Kinnick or are you gonna hand these seats off uh, this week no again? because my in-laws ruin my favorite holiday <laughs> this is a way to get away from them craig <laughs> craig robinson the... i'm gonna be wa- i'm gonna be watching kids movies like non i'm not even gonna be able to watch the game oh that's a move. like my in-laws house is like one giant room and it's gonna be full of kids 
TV stuff and you just sit there oh. in a coma. It's like a preview of going into a nursing home. It's <laughs> Come on, phone, yeah. iPad, Get ready for sling a whole box. lot of finding Dory. Yeah, yeah, and then my wife tells me, get off your phone. Come on, socialize with people. It's like, no, you're ruining my, my favorite holiday of, of, of the year. Craig Robinson, <laughs> the Iowa Republican. Craig, thanks so much thanks, for everything. Craig. Appreciate it, bud. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll have more morning meeting coming up next. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Mark Levin, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. It's The Morning Meeting on WTAD. Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Mm-hmm. Sean Sinkreese, Quaid. Uh, we ran that long with Craig, but that's all right. Anytime Craig's upset about yeah. in-laws and, and, and family, Quality he's never going to come close to, I believe, what was it? It was like 2012 through 2014 uh, that it was mm, Illinois yeah. watchdog Ben Yount was on just a mother-in-law heater for yeah. like two years <laughs> with the way she was aggravating him. But Craig... Uh, a not-so-close second uh, with that. Real quick, because we ran that late, we're going to get to the market update in just a moment. The Denver Sheriff's Department is being fined $10,000 for hiring only U.S. citizens. Have you seen this? Fined by whom? There's a lawsuit. So you think right away like crazy person, right, who's trying to make a statement? Uh, no. They're being fined by the Justice Department. For hiring only U.S. citizens. Hold off on paying that. Yeah, I would say so. The Justice Department did not congratulate the agency, uh, that is Colorado's largest sheriff's department, the Denver Sheriff's Department, when they hired 200 deputies earlier this year. They instead slapped them with a suit that said they uh, they took an, uh, an anti-immigrant stance by requiring that prospective employees as deputies... Be U.S. citizens. You want to talk about trying to now, keep a conflict of interest even, at arm's length. You're enforcing the law. What, what the Justice Department wanted in, in, their, uh, in their letter that they said was they said that the being a deputy is not a position that is exempted by, quote, law, regulation, executive order, or government contract that employees be U.S. citizens. So they wanted this open to those uh, who had work visas in the country but weren't nationalized citizens. Uh, I'm going to get technical here for a second. Uh, uh, what about insurance purposes? If somebody is not a, a great question. legal citizen, mm-hmm. are they covered under... I'm sure the DOJ would, would find some somehow, some way, somewhere to overspend on somebody's <laughs> you know, insurance uh, for that. But that, that would be the first place I would go is, aren't you contradicting yourself... In other areas, and and putting, you know, the finances of city departments state what at risk to being, I would say, leveraged. But but well, I think put you put in people a in a bad position, yeah. a deputy in a bad position where they could be compromised mm-hmm. in certain situations because of that fringe case. Don't worry though, if you're a liberal who likes to see those positions uh, filled by non-U.S. citizens. The Chicago Police Department does hire non-U.S. citizens. What, I mean, and what do you say? <laughs> what do you say? I mean, you're opening yourself up to, you know, people going. So you're a deputy. 
but you're here illegally. Can or I make a citizen's a, arrest? Well, or or you're here on a temporary work visa. How much how much teeth do you put in it? It's like being it's like when a coach announces, you know, I'm only the interim coach. Well, yeah. He doesn't have as much teeth with the players as the full time head coach. Hey DOJ, have you not figured out that it's positions like this that allowed a majority of the country to turn red mm-hmm. this last day? It's it's stuff like this. That's not just a crazy person suing uh, the Denver Sheriff's Department. It is the Department of Justice itself. Take that with you and chew on that. As Hold you off on paying that fine. Holiday Denver. plans this weekend. Coming up, something completely different and a voice from the past. Next on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. As luck would have it, I'll probably kick this like sinus drainage thing tomorrow or something while I'm on the road traveling down to see the family for the holiday. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930, WTAD. Sean Seacrest, the thread killer, Quade with you. And a voice from the past has joined us here on the morning meeting as we pop open something, well, a little different for Fizzy Beverage Friday. You got to have uh, something of uh, importance to celebrate and mark important occasions. Mm-hmm. So the uh, Schlafly's Imperial Stout. Mm. Oh, beer, guys. This is kind of like a, a page out of the old Watchmen. We'd bring something in. Uh, I don't know that that was for, for, for I don't know that we ever went there. Uh, no, I don't think the, we did. On the Watchmen. Stout aged in bourbon barrels. So just a little sip this morning. Nobody's getting irresponsible. No, 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 no. There's not uh, enough to do that with. Welcome, voice from the past. Good morning. Brian Nichols, my original co-host <laughs> on the show in the studio with us. So we've gathered the three of us who have been the co-hosts of this show in its six-plus year run because uh, today is an auspicious and, and some would say sad day. This is the end of the morning meeting. Times are changing here at the station. Uh, I'm going in different directions. I'm actually leaving the WTAD Star Radio family after this broadcast today. Uh, Quaid will remain. Brian left the show a couple of years ago and is uh, working professionally uh, in politics now. So this is just going to be an occasion to kind of celebrate what we've done with the show, uh, to thank some important people. Uh, We've known about this for quite a while, but Quaid and I had talked about it and uh, continuously having a revolving eulogy on the show we didn't think was going to serve any purpose. So we told all of our guests that this was the case after they came on. So Craig doesn't know yet. Okay. I haven't reached out to Craig yet. Craig Robinson, who was just on with us, but we'll bring him in on this um, just as soon as the show is over. I just want to start with a couple thanks, and then I want to share some memories uh, along the way. Uh, thanks to uh, Steve Bowl, who's been the uh, PD here at WTAD for the entire run of the morning meeting. Uh, thanks to GM Mike Moyers, who, with Brian, really worked on the actual launch of this. I was drafted into this as a co-host with Brian at the outset, and it was something that I really kind of grew into enjoying that I didn't know how much of it I would enjoy at the outset. I, I paid attention and read, and but I had never sort of uh, taken to 
hosting a political conversation before this show actually happened. So thanks to Mike for taking that chance, and obviously to Brian. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule and coming in this morning. This is something that I've had the hardest time coming to grips with with leaving as as I walk out the door. It's it's this show. It's what it means to me. It's the development process that we went through, uh, being able to bring this to people that uh, that I'm going to find hardest to leave behind. And I know you had a hard time when you kind of walked out the door a couple years ago, too. You'll get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. It was uh, – change is tough and jumping into other different things after you're into a – kind of a, a routine is obviously is difficult and uh, certainly switching gears I don't I don't know what you're doing what, what, what I don't know what I'm doing I don't know what's <laughs> next right um, now it's I'm just gonna get better at one of my hobbies I think for a little <laughs> while as I figured that out so tips please. Do, do you just rant like on the couch when you're looking at the TV okay is, is that what I do so so here's the thing for about the first six months or so I just you just check out just just Hasta now, la vista. This is a bad time to do that, though. Understand I that. Know. This is a bad time to do that because there's been some monumental things that have happened in the in the and landscape and, and that are happening and will continue to happen that you're going to want to. So, yes, I, I yelled. It's mostly the windshield because, see, <laughs> I, I have the. Uh, you're on the road a lot. I'm on the road all the time, <laughs> just about every day. And so there's a lot of time with me and my thoughts and. And uh, to be honest with you, the radio broke not long after in in the car. The mouse chewed through the wire, and so I, I don't actually have a radio in in my car functioning. I have mm-hmm. a radio; it's just not really functioning, and uh, so that gives me a lot of time to um, yell at the windshield. That's <laughs> I'm going to need some more tips. <laughs> we had uh, our original producer was Samantha. I'd like to thank her for mm-hmm. for doing that, and I filled in for a little while until we were lucky enough to get producer Josh. He didn't know what he was getting into, uh, and, and we've got his mic swung around with the extra guests in here. Josh had no idea, Quade, what he was getting into with us, and I think uh, you can you can just you know wave at me if I'm wrong, Josh, but you were a little shell-shocked, I think, at first with what was going on, and then he kind of fell into the rhythm, and I'd like to say at the end you enjoyed it. He's giving me the maybe sign. He's giving no, me the maybe what he sign. gave you, what he gave you was the go-to Josh move. Yeah, which was the the hands Palms off to the up, side, shoulder shrug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of, kind of. But this show is is really made by people who who work on it behind the scenes. And without Josh and Samantha, I don't think the show would have ever been what it is. And uh, Quade and I have been, and we've talked about it on the show before. Uh, we we go back to previous markets and mm-hmm. other things along the way. So while I'll miss these people and I'll be in contact with Brian and Josh and and all the people from the show on an intermittent basis, uh, but Quade's somebody that I know will continue to be in my life. So it, it, in a weird way, it's easier to actually walk away from you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a, a, a as far as giving thanks, give thanks to to God for the depth of His grace uh, to have the opportunity to to be a part of this show. Uh, I want to thank Mike because it was his desire to have a show like this in the first place that began the conversation to bring young Mr. Nichols back into the fold. I don't mm-hmm. know how many people were o- aware that he interned here mm-hmm. uh, when he was in college, and uh, w- he kind of found found favor with us uh, back then, and 
when I became aware of what he was doing on air in other markets and knew that Mike wanted something like this, I'm like, you know, you could have this if you just bring Nichols back in, into the fold. Uh, and that, uh, over time, began a conversation between the two of them, knowing that Brian would be the engine uh, to make this show possible. And uh, I'm, I'm very proud of what uh, this show became and, and very proud to uh, be a part of it uh, for the last couple of years. I got to second that with not only our GM, Mike Moyers, but our program director, Steve Bowl, as well. It's, it's taken for granted, I think, now after a six-plus year run. But, Brian, you've worked in other small markets just as we have. Not every non-major market is able to put together a show like this. There are so many moving parts and, and so many things that have to come together. This has been a, re- a real blessing just to get the opportunity to do. Yeah, most, most don't offer the the opportunity most don't uh have anybody that has has any interest in doing it because you're not you're not going to bring people in generally that that are there for that purpose uh, uh, typically in a in a market of this size they're interested in whatever the latest song is or or whatever and this isn't something that uh i i, I don't i hate to say it this way, but it's not something that everyone can just automatically jump up and do because mm-hmm. you have to be paying attention and finding people these days that are paying attention mm. uh, is somewhat difficult. Specifically with that, now one could argue maybe that's changing, but again, that's that's a whole nother segment for a you know a show <laughs> on down the road. Uh, I could go right into it and. There's a lot of uh, stuff from the last uh, two years. That That's I'm the thinking. major news today. Final <laughs> episode today of the morning meeting. Let's take our final time out. A few memories and uh, a little bit more to give thanks for. Coming up next on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Oh, no. Why do you Some of our it? celebration beverage got a little leaky know. on the bottom. It's the morning meeting for the final time on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Brian Nichols, Quaid, Sean Seacrease with you this morning. We forgot to say thanks to a special someone uh, who's been developing her talents uh, really in the face of what we do here on the morning meeting, and that's what? Intern Addie who's been with us throughout the year. Uh, her schedule, uh, I'm going to say her schedule didn't allow her to appear today, and it's mostly because I didn't reach out to her. We had so many moving pieces in place. Um, I know she'd be gracious about the opportunity, and uh, we really appreciated her and her work and getting a chance to work with her here on the morning yeah. meeting, one of those other special people we met along the way. Ryan, I was thinking about this last night. We can tell the story now about the very first interview that was done for this show. Oh, we didn't tell that? I thought we already told that. Maybe well, we I think we left off the, the actual real part. Because this was, I thought, the ideal beginning for a show like this. So we go to do an interview with Andrew Breitbart for the very first show and pre-recorded. When we first called him, we were told, (laughs) um, and he's Uh, deceased now, so we can tell the story. He goes, still kind of working off last night. Let me 
they'll get some coffee and get back to you. So we were hung up on <laughs> by our first guest who was nursing a little bit of a hangover that morning. And I thought, this is, it, it turns out after six plus years of the show, totally appropriate way to start this show. <laughs> Sean, by the way, not, not fully aware of who he was at the time. And then he was on the up and up, you know, he was moving up. Uh, 2010, whatever it was. Yeah, both mm-hmm. Breitbart and I, turns out. It, yeah, it turned out. Yeah. <laughs> and Sean's like, who is this guy? Who's this guy think he is? is and I'm guy? like, well, he's kind of he's kind of a big kind of a big deal. Like, we'll cut him some slack, and I think uh, I think it'd be all right. That was, that was pretty funny. It started out well. Uh, Quaid, uh, favorite memory from the show? One or two? Uh, one of the, one of my favorite memories, and this is something that happened actually, uh, and and I wasn't here for it, but uh, please know when I wasn't a part of this show, I listened to every show when in it a was, different. It was studio. a part of part of the show on our phones right. uh, by a text <laughs> message. When it was Brian and I, Quaid was kind of our number one kind of critiquer, trying to push us. Uh, in certain directions. So he was intimately familiar with it before he became a co-host. And I'm going to bring it to uh, President-elect Trump. Uh, Mr. Trump was on the Mm -hmm. show with you guys, and most guests, and people probably aren't aware of this, most guests, when it's over, they hang up the phone because they've got another interview to go and do. So when they're done, whether it's Josh or, or, or whether it was Sam or whether Sean was behind the board, the interview's over, the interview's over. You check the phone, and it's, it's dialed tone. They're gone. You've done your professional duty, and on mm-hmm. you go. Right. And that's just understood in this business. It's yep. not rude. Right. That, that's the, you're done. You're out. Wasn't that way with Donald Trump? After Trump was interviewed on this show, he didn't go off to another interview like 99.9% of every other guest that's been on this show. He hung on the line. Mm-hmm. And go ahead and tell the the story, Sean, of the the, the personal conversation you had yeah, with, I, with Donald Trump after the fact. At that point, uh, producer Sam had left, and I happened to be running the the production, be behind the board for the show. And I looked over, and I thought, well, that's odd. The line hasn't gone dead yet. So I picked it up, and he was on a flight, I believe, back from Africa to New York. And he wanted to check with me after the fact to make sure that I thought that he had done a good job on the show, that he had sold his points well, wanted to know if there was any other opportunity going forward uh, that, that, that he could be on the show. And I'm stunned at this point that, that he he's cares enough to take the time. And it's, it's that little interaction that I've relayed to people who are worried that he's not going to be invested while he's in the White House uh, versus running his own company, so it's just that little anecdote that, that that I'll remember. The other one of the other things I remember is sending Brian to CPAC, and he oh, missed. Oh no, he missed oh, the opportunity. Really? This is where we're going. I'm gonna get a little salty here. You had Chuck Woolery on. Yeah, here it comes. And you, you didn't come back in two and two. This comes Chuck. up at least once a week. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But no, sending you to CPAC, that was always a lot of fun. And, and those radio roads were, were wild. And you were on the spot all the time. Yeah, they were, they were wild, all right. Uh, they, were, they were difficult because, uh, especially, especially doing it live, because uh, folks are hard to track down. They're not showing up. There are so many people. They're, they're distracted. They're not paying attention to what you're doing. They're not on time, whatever. So uh, they, but they were always a lot of fun. And that's, you know, inter- interestingly enough, I mean, that's, that was some of the places where I was able to uh, get to know really, honestly, a lot of the folks that are now more so in the news than they were then, 
Because at the time you're going, oh, they're kind of second rate, third rate guests. You know, mm-hmm. they're not your top tier. That's and all of available. a sudden, <laughs> well, right, exactly. You know, and and all of a sudden we've got uh, Donald Trump going to the White House. Not that he was second tier then; he wasn't. Um, that was probably our biggest guest. I, I would say, even then, not knowing what would happen four years later. Uh, but And I reminded you this the other day, Steve Bannon. I mean, I, mm-hmm. the reason I remembered that was because that was in person at some of those different events that yeah. happened, whether it was through Americans for Prosperity or CPAC or whatever it was. And so I was actually able to spend uh, some time with him. So to have him just all of a sudden show up and... Gee, he's the chief strategist in the White House. I mean, <laughs> to be honest with you, not again, not tooting your own horn, but what the heck? The show's over in two minutes, so we might as well. <laughs> Who's going to fault us? Uh, the show was ahead of its time. And for a show here in in this size uh, of, of uh, community, mm-hmm. it just a, it's just a really big deal. And so in that respect, it is, it is unfortunate or it is sad that it's going away. But, you know, I mean, all things... One of my favorite uh, neglected stories from this show is the fact that two guests were put on our official blackball list. Oh, no. There are two guests who were banned from ever coming back to the show, and I banned both of them. <laughs> one of them was Did on... Did I know about this? You saying, booked I don't one think of you them. Were, oh, okay. You booked one of them for me to cover a travel day of you going to CPAC, and that was Austin, Washington. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. And the other that. one was just uh, booked through <laughs> a booker. That was not good. <laughs> the other one was booked through a, a, a professional guest booker named yeah. Michelle Sealer-Tucker, and she was booked <laughs> under the idea that she could deliver on X topic, and all she wanted to she talk about nothing. was yeah. real estate because she was a real estate agent yeah. in like Dallas. That was after you were gone, and it was <laughs> yeah. it was not not oh, good. So there were there have only been for six and a half years, six, well six plus years of the show. There's only been two guests that have been officially the, banished from the show. There was actually those two. No, there was actually three, but I never. Did you? Ban- I never, you never announced it then. No, I didn't. Uh, I I banned Roger Stone. Because at, who, by the way, was responsible for getting Trump on the program uh, and was an advisor to him in his presidential campaign mm-hmm. because it was at the point of him doing an interview while taking a leak at the airport that I said no more. So hey, when that's you're how busy, we're going to end the show. When you're busy, Perfect. you're busy. <laughs> I think Josh is going to play us out for the final time here on the morning meeting. It's been such a wild ride. So much fun uh, from the local level. Uh, having a hand in in interviewing and, and really following through on the mayor level and so many city council campaigns, all the way to having President-elect Trump on the show throughout the years. This has been an unbelievably wild ride, a, a fulfilling ride, an educating ride, and we just hope that you have enjoyed it as much as we have enjoyed it over its time. The episodes will continue to live on as podcasts everywhere. The only thing that I can think of to say at this moment are the words that Tolkien wrote for Bilbo Baggins underneath the party tree before he leaves the Shire for the final time. He simply stood up and he said, that's all. I'm going now. Goodbye. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.